Here comes the Here comes the Here comes the Y'all don't really want it like Welcome back once again to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. We are mere weeks away from regular season, and we're here putting in work, talking about our favorite first round, maybe second round running backs, give you guys a little bit of insight into what we're feeling this season. But let's swing it over to my host. It's just the four of us tonight. We don't have a guest on. It's kind of weird. It's been now months, I think, we since we've had a guest. But how's it going? I know. What are we going to do with just the four of us? It, feels it has so been a, an awesome summer, I will say. <laughs> I love you guys. Don't get me wrong. But, man, our guest list, it was amazing. I mean, we had Jason Moore from the Fantasy Footballers, Heath Cummins from CBS, Brandon Marion Lee, I mean, amongst others, Matt Harmon. It was fantastic. So, uh, great summer. Loved having all those guests on, but I'm not going to lie. I'm excited for the season to start with the four of us. I'm pretty sure it's been a good like six or seven weeks where none of us had to be the smartest person on the show. <laughs> so what, someone's going to have to step up now. <laughs> and I got to say, uh, every single person we had on was just the coolest. I mean, like everyone in the fantasy community is just way cool. You know, welcome. They're they're glad to be on a show, even as new and as small as ours. It, it's awesome, and I'm really appreciative that they all took out time to come hang out with us. So, thanks if you, if you guys are listening. Thank you for coming on the show. But no guests today. That's all right. We'll we'll roll roll on with the regular crew and uh, crush through some of this stuff for you. So, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Oh, I tell you, today is not a good day for news. Oh, man. it You know, you ever have those Sundays in the season where, like, half your lineup gets injured? That's what that's what this last week felt like. I mean, we just had a ton. We had Absolutely. a ton of injuries go down and, and some that were actually considerable. So let's, let's start with the big one here. Darius Geis tore his ACL. And now this storyline was kind of interesting because he went down in practice and he was like, oh, I'm fine on Twitter. And apparently he thought or the trainers thought that he just had, I think it was a sprained MCL at first uh, inspection. So they went and got the MRI done and it tore. Uh, it turns out he had a torn ACL, which of course ends his season and leaves behind just a couple interesting guys in that backfield. Wow, that's so, a really nice way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I couldn't even I, nice. I tried so hard to so like nice, not Kent. cuss them out <laughs> and make fun of them. No, I'm just kidding. Uh th- I think there's some interesting stuff going on there in, in a good way. So we could talk about that. But what are, what are you guys' thoughts on guys going down? I'm crushed. I mean he was a guy who was rising up my running back rankings uh this offseason. Uh it's it's very unfortunate as we know the the ACL um, is a season ender because it does require surgery. Uh, it's interesting, like you mentioned, that MCL sprain, which was the initial diagnosis, um, I think fooled a lot of people, myself included, mostly because the MCL sprain is very injury to diagnose on the field. But it turns out that there was a, other structural damage in his left knee. If you're going to tear your ACL, though, 
do it before the season starts. Uh, expect guys back to be ready for training camp in 2019, uh, having an entire year to be able to rehab. So he should be good to go for next season. I'm crushed for this season. And I'll tell you what, guys, I don't want any part of the Washington backfield this year. No, Not I mean, there's, there's concern about even? his availability as well. I mean, he came out and said it himself. He doesn't feel like he's going to be 100% until about November. Now, I don't know what he's basing that off of, but uh, as a physical therapist who works directly with athletes, I trust what they say more than what I should know about the injury sometimes because uh, no one knows your body better than your own. So if he's saying he's not 100%, I believe it. Um, and so he's going to play early in the season, but at what capacity... I don't know. And for that reason, I guess I'm, I'm out on him unless he's an amen, uh, amazing value. I, I also think we don't probably expect him to do or get any more work than he really was going to get anyways. I mean, he was going to be a third down guy and whichever of the not great, uh, as Kent might put it, running backs on the rest of that roster takes over for uh, first and second down work, or if it's some combo of those guys, or if it's some guy they bring in, I think Thompson's still going to be mainly relegated to third down work, and I don't think that the Redskins should want him doing anything different either. Uh, largely with what Bet said and even his past in general, I don't think you want to try to put a full workload on him. As far as those other guys, I guess I'm leaning Rob Kelly, uh, supposedly fit Rob Kelly. Apparently he's lost weight and isn't so fat anymore, but that's, that's about as low upside of an, of a <laughs> team's RB1 as I can imagine in the league right now. I mean, maybe Isaiah Crowell level stuff. Uh, and then there's some other guys that you could take huge flyers on. P. Ryan, uh, Capri Bibbs. Hopefully they, I, I kind of want them to bring somebody in that might have a little bit more uh, opportunity and upside to be legitimate and not a jag but i don't know if it's going to happen now i put this up on twitter the other day but last year the redskins offensive line was actually horrifically injured they had like 35 man games lost and you know i don't think p Ryan could really showcase too much and i understand he's more of like a thumper type running back he's definitely not levy on bell he really just pounds a rock but you know, if that O-line comes back into form, he, he could be like maybe a first and second down back, and I don't think there's much issue with that. Um, if Rob does, you know, did get into better shape, maybe he could be a better well-rounded back, but uh, P. Ryan's someone to keep an eye on still, I think. I think we're pointing at all reasons, right? We're going to need massive clarity in the next two, three weeks if we get it. Um, as far as redraft to even take a share at meant much of these, you know, if any of these in the backfield. So I think that's what I'm taking away is that, you know, kind of like Okada was saying is staying a little bit clear, definitely cautious. And for, if anything, for me, it just reminds me of what can happen preseason, what we see every year, what happens when you pay really high draft capital for someone and, and kind of what you're risking. So I think for this, it's kind of like a gut call and kind of a gut check for a lot of fantasy owners about what can happen. You know, and that we don't really have a lot of control over it. So you got to kind of watch what you do early on in your draft. So it's heartbreaking to watch, though. It happened to this new rook with a lot of upside. Yeah, I know we didn't talk about guys too much compared to uh, the other mm -hmm. rookie running backs so far. But we talked about him a little bit on the rookie episode we had way back when we first started. Um Unfortunately, you know, some people did have him ranked pretty high in the fantasy community and... It would have been nice to see that prediction come to fruition in a sense, but uh, 
that's just kind of the way it is. And, you know, it's unfortunate. But let's move on to the next piece of news. Cam Meredith is out a few days or has been out a few days with an undisclosed injury. And now he came off of the pup. No, he, he did didn't even go on the pup. He was cleared before he could yeah. even. Or no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I misspoke. He did. He did clear the pup. He did not go on. Uh, he started training camp off the pup. Yeah, sure. Okay. So he had a surgically repaired knee this last offseason. And Ian Rappaport, you know, confirmed that it was not that knee, but it's still kind of concerning that, you know, he's got another injury looming and something we have to worry about. And he's kind of a late round guy anyway, but it's something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I really like Meredith. Um, if he's healthy by the time the season rolls around, I think he's nearly a lock. And if not a lock, I think certainly he has a very, very good chance of taking the wide receiver two spot out there in New Orleans, which with Drew Brees throwing the ball um, is certainly a lucrative position to have. So if he can get healthy, I'm grabbing him all over the place in drafts. So maybe this will just push his ADP down more and give you a better shot at getting him late. Right. I think that's the point because owners are watching this as somebody that's never played a full season. They're watching to see if if he's going to come to full strength and be able to actually contribute consistently. And so I think it's just going to drive his ADP down and then you have to make the decision about where that's going to fall and then if it's worth the risk. Because right now we don't even have any evidence he's going to be okay to kind of move forward. So who knows what's going on, but it's not great news. For people that want consistency out of a player, no matter what injury this yeah, is. Yeah, and it's, it's just weird that they're not saying what's going on or, or even just saying it's an upper body or a lower body injury. Uh, it's fortunate that it's reportedly not his knee because obviously that would be a major red flag. Um, but truly a situation to monitor day to day and week to week until we get some more details. Do you all know, as somebody that's paying more attention now to training camp than I have in years past, probably the past two years more than most, is this typical of teams to not really reveal and just kind of let these injuries go undisclosed in training camp? Like, is this kind of the norm? Nah, I mean, preseason's like the wild, wild west when it comes to this stuff. There's not a ton of requirements compared to the regular season. And, you know, it's it's different. There's no real injury report because there's no coaches game planning against certain personnel being in or out or whatever. So um, is it normal? No, but usually we find out one way or another through reports. So eventually, yeah, right? And, yeah. and Something comes out, you know, yeah. modern world of technology and everything with social media and um, Twitter and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's videos of these guys all at training camp and at practice too. So it's sometimes it's easier for medical professionals to like look at the injury on the screen and see the the video of it happening. Um, so when people say, oh, it's an undisclosed injury, sometimes you can see what actually happens and you can say, okay, it's probably his knee or it's probably his ankle. Um, so even with teams that aren't always as willing to give information, sometimes you can see it uh, for yourself. This situation is not like that though. All right, so let's move on to the next piece of news real quick. Uh, This is kind of minor, but we'll touch on it. Ben Roethlisberger has been put into concussion protocol. Now, he has a little bit of a history with them. Not not anything, like, huge, but he's definitely had a few in his time. I don't think it's anything worth um, worrying about. I'm sure he'll be ready week one, but just something to keep an eye on. And uh, we'll, we'll just roll on pace right past that. This next one, now I see Okada has left a note for me here. Um, Devontae Parker, 
He broke his note. finger. He, he he left me a secret note in the show doc. Devonte Parker <laughs> broke his finger, and now pe- people are still waiting for the breakout. So some people care. I don't know if they're smart people, but they're they're people nonetheless. <laughs> um, yeah, he's going to be out for a few weeks for sure, and week one availability is probably less likely than than you would you'd like to see if you were <laughs> drafting him. I know I have him in a couple of like best balls, but. This this might be an opportunity for a guy like Kenny Stills to step up and start being the guy that a lot of people think he can be. What might be the bigger takeaway here? Yeah, I'm. That's actually me. the The note of no one cares is a little bit of a a, a misguide because I actually do care. I'm a huge Kenny Stills guy. I think I've probably talked about it on the pod. Um, I was kind of looking at Stills above Parker just straight up anyways, regardless of draft value, which was better for Stills. Um, I did talk about it because I talked about it when Harmon was on and I referenced how Stills had been used out of the slot and how he may actually take up more <laughs> of the missing Jarvis Landry work than uh, Wilson and Amendola, which is kind of what people are, are automatically uh, knee-jerk reaction expecting. So if Parker's out a little bit, if Stills has a chance to build more of a rapport with Tannehill, I really like it. And if it doesn't do too much to Stills' ADP, I'm going to get even more of him than I have now. I I don't know if any of you guys have tried out uh, Draft's best ball player exposure thing. They've uh-huh. got this new tool. Uh, but I do a ton of uh, best ball drafts, and I have Stills is one of my highest exposures right behind Naheem Hines. So <laughs> I'm... I, I, I'm interested. I won't lie. Well, I'm glad I, someone is. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, I, I think the ADP is going to probably jump up more than any Kenny Stills person is going to want to see if, if this is going to make Parker miss week one. I don't really think, I think that's basically where the impact is because honestly, I don't know if many people were really on that train. I know I wasn't. I have zero shares of Parker. So as far as that particular news, I'm, I'm not sure how much impact we think there. I never think he's <laughs> going to pop off, but that's just me. What I'm curious to see is they're trying to figure out how to use Albert Wilson. They're trying to figure out kind of where he's going to be in this freeze up targets to kind of feel that out between Amendola and him. So that's kind of what I'm looking to see now in like preseason the next couple of weeks. If Parker's not even going to be in on any shares of that, let's see how they kind of parcel this out and how those two do versus, you know, I think Stills kind of what's already been said is in a good position with his current ADP. But once he jumps, I think that's going to be hard to know what to do with him. Yeah. And before we move on, I just want to point out too, I mean, uh, you hear broken bone and a lot of times people are very concerned about that and, and rightly so fingers aren't necessarily a huge deal um, depending on what position you play. So I'll say that obviously wide receiver needs to use their hands and use them well to do their job. But with the with the finger that's broken, as long as it's not dislocated or out of alignment, they're oftentimes just going to leave it alone. So fingers don't usually have surgery. This is going to be a non-operative case. And so his recovery is going to be a little bit faster than uh, a six-week time period, which is the normal healing time period for bone. But they're likely going to have to either buddy tape his fingers together, which literally just means two fingers taped together, um, or have him play with a splint on it. And I don't know how easy that's going to be for him to catch. So... I was already low on Parker. This makes me even lower on Parker. Uh, I agree with what you guys are saying. I think Stills is going to be uh, a nice value if he keeps it at his ADP, and, and he'll have the opportunity to prove that this season. And for that reason, we're out. So 
Let's move on to these last couple bits of news. Uh, we have Barkley, who had a mild hamstring strain, showed up in practice in a wrap. I, I don't think this is very concerning. Some people overreacted immediately and saying he was going to be done. I, or not done, but like out of practice for a while. And I don't I don't think it's too serious. I think he's still out on the field, just wrapped up. So, I mean, everyone's just on so high alert after the Darius Geist news. That was the first thing that really... I feel like open the floodgates, and now as soon as there's any minor injury blurb, like everyone's like, "Oh crap!" Like, who's yeah. the next guy? Um, and when you see Saquon Barkley's name, of course your heart just sinks. So he does look like he's going to be okay. You mentioned the hamstring injury; uh, it's been reported it's pretty low grade. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him sit in game two of the of the preseason. But if he's back in, in game three, I mean, he's back. So not a not a huge. Concern I also. For me. I also wouldn't be surprised, honestly, to see him sit the entire rest of the preseason, even if he doesn't need to. Um, and that will depend a lot on what the Giants want to do. Do they think he needs more work? Do they think he needs to keep getting integrated in the offense uh, and get real game uh, experience, quote unquote real? Personally, I think it would be much more valuable for them to trust that he's good at his job let him sit through the preseason, not risk anything else, and get him going in game one of the real season, but we'll see. Yep. Yeah, I agree with that. It's uh, We'll keep an eye on it, but I don't think it's anything serious. But on to something else. Uh, Jarek McKinnon had a knee strain, and it was looking kind of bad, and he went and got an MRI. But this one, this is actually kind of good news. It was no structural damage, but he does have a calf strain. And for that reason, the 49ers went and got Alfred Morris, the uh, – the all-star under Shanahan. He actually did pretty well when he played under Shanahan. I think it was like, you know, like 2,500 total yards or maybe even more than that. I'd have to go look again. But it's, in his two it's, seasons? Yeah, in his two Come seasons with Shanahan. So he's actually, you know, done real work with, with Shanahan and something to keep an eye on. I don't think he's at any risk of taking over the, the starting job, but yeah, certainly interesting. Yeah, it's interesting for sure. I mean – the, the main concern, like you mentioned, is all those injuries in the backfield. Uh, Jarek McKinnon, obviously the big one, went down with a scare. They reported as a knee injury. Uh, apparently he went down to practice and grabbed the back of his knee, which made everyone very concerned. The MRI came back clean in terms of structural damage to the knee joint. Um, but the calf muscle actually does cross the back of your knee, and so uh, it attaches on the back of your femur or your thigh bone. And so sometimes when the strain is in that location, it can mimic a knee injury. I'm concerned about McKinnon for sure. And actually, in talking about our rankings, I dropped him down a few spots today uh, because of this injury. Calf strains are tricky. And depending on the grade of strain of, of how severe it is, he can be walking around with zero pain, doing stairs with zero pain. But as soon as he goes to push off and explode off of that, that foot, um, there's a good chance that this can recur and come back. So I'm not taking the Alfred Morris news lightly. Uh, and actually, I, I'm I'm pretty concerned about McKinnon. I think more than the general public is at this point. So he's going to be a guy that uh, if by week four of the preseason he's still not back to full practice, I'm going to be knocking him down relatively significantly. Well, we have to acknowledge that people were watching McKinnon, and their one of the biggest criticisms was can he handle the workload if he were were to be given it? And so this can't. I mean this. This isn't a great confidence booster for those that wanted him to be the bell cow out there and to to get those carries and show I can do this. So um, already sort of having these these injuries, I I think it has to give you second pause about where he's going right now in ADP. You have to kind of think about that. It's a rough start. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a rough start for him. 
But all right, let's let's go ahead and move past the injuries. We got a couple other of minor pieces of news. Um, Tyler Eifert is apparently going to be on a snap count, according to the head coach. So yeah, if he said if he ever hits fifty snaps, it's too much. So that's kind of uh, concerning. He's always been a boom bust player anyway. He'll probably just be in red zone packages and a couple of other minor things here and there. And you know, I don't think he's ever going to be full workload tight end like anyone expected him to be early on in his career the injuries are too extreme and they want to keep him healthy so it makes sense to keep him on the snap count yeah this is a this is one of the smartest nfl moves i've seen marvin lewis make (laughs) first of all um putting this guy on a on a snap count would actually be a really good move for their team it's probably the worst possible thing for fantasy because what we really wanted was either for Eifert to finally have a full season and be what he could be, or just to get hurt in game one like he's supposed to do, and then we can trust Croft to a degree to actually pick up a lot of that work. He was a top 12 tight end last year on the back of seven touchdowns with Eifert out. If Eifert's playing on a snap count and getting in those red zone packages, like you said, then it, but that's it, then it kind of just eliminates the value for both of them, and it it makes that nice little late uh, late in draft strategy of grabbing these guys a little bit less viable. Cool. All right. Well, last little bit of news, and we kind of already talked about this a bit, but Des Bryant actually has a real meeting scheduled with the Browns on Thursday. Uh, they have talked about bringing him previously, kind of fill the void of, well, possibly Josh Gordon if he remains out for any given period of time, and then Corey Coleman got traded, so – they're kind of starting to get a little thin on wide receivers, so it, it would make sense, and everyone's already kind of seen it coming. Um, but but we have discussed what the outcome of that would kind of be already, so I don't think there's much there, but we'll see if he gets signed after this Thursday, I guess. I will say I, I think there's a legitimate possibility that this is a hard knocks-driven move. That literally they're bringing him out there because it would be good for Hard Knocks. I, I love mean, it. Yeah, I cannot wait true. to watch episode three when this comes on there. <laughs> episode one, awesome. can we just talk about for one second, was amazing. And my God, <laughs> so Jarvis good. Landry, I moved him up a couple of spots in my rankings just because of that speech. Bless him. I was, Bless him. Oh my gosh. The chills. That dude brings it. And I love that guy, man. All right. Well, with that being said. All right, that's a really long theme song. I'm going to stop it. Anyway, we're moving on to a little (laughs) game I have for you guys. And now this one's pretty simple. Um, It's really quick. We're we're talking about this is last year's running back ones, okay? We're going to have you guys guess, without going over, some average metrics for running backs that ended in the top 12 last year. No looking it up. So, I want to know, first things first, what is the average number of games? And you can go to one decimal point. Everyone give an answer real quick. Average number 15. of games they, they, they played? Yep. 14.4. 15.1. Ooh, that was really close. I think Betts actually was the closest without going over. It is 14.9. So Jen was actually oh. closer, but she went over, and that was an arbitrary rule I, I decided, so I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I know the rules. I do. Okay. Let's let's go on. We're going to go to rushing attempts. Closest without going over, and we'll just go whole number now. 281. 
Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I was going to say two, 248. I was going to say like 238. I got excited. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. What we was, wish they got that. What many. was Okada's answer? Okay. 248. 248. I said 238. Okay. Okada is the winner on this one with 248. It is 251. 251. Oh, so, let me start. Nice. I got to keep track of some, some scores here. All right. So, we have Okada <laughs> with one and Betts with one, I believe is correct. Mm-hmm. All right, so... By the way, I would just like to state for the record that Zeke really ruined that first question because he made top 12, I think, right? Yes, he did, and yes. he only played only 10, 10 games. games. That is correct. Yeah, what a guy. That is correct. So, something to keep an eye on for this year. But let's go ahead and go over to rushing yards. Total? Yeah. Well, what do you mean total? What do you mean? Just what rushing mean total yards. Rushing total yards. yards on the season. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 1,146. Yeah, okay. Ooh, I was going to say 1178. I'm going to go a little higher. 1204. You guys are all too high. <gasps> oh. Man. <laughs> oh. No, the correct what? answer is 1080 is the average number of wow. rushing yards. This is in half point per reception. Leads. Sure. Yeah. So some, and I, I assumed you guys low. all knew that. That's what we use as a standard here. So. Um, it is surprisingly low and something to think about. But now we're going to go on to rushing touchdowns. And this one, you can go back to one decimal point. Oh, this is a tough one. I'm trying to think. Just rushing touchdowns. Ru- only Just rushing. Just rushing. Yeah. Yep. 7.3. 8. 8. 8. 8.1. Oh, Jen, wait. said whole numbers. Oh, no, I said one decimal. So you, no, you're no, good. No. Oh, part yep. one. And Jen, Jen is the correct answer. The, uh, it is 8.6. 8.6 yeah. rushing touchdowns. All right. Well, so we have a, we have a one or three-way tie, 1-1-1. One, 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 and we're going okay. on to uh, targets. This is the average number of targets. Whole numbers. Let's get this going. Uh, 61. I was going to go Wow, that's 70. a big gap. All right, say, really? Top 12. Wait, okay, one you one at a time. Say ahead. your numbers. Good. <laughs> they said 70 something and 50 something, and I said 26. <laughs> 70. Okay. That's 61. All right. Well, it doesn't okay. matter because Bet's got it on the nose. It is 70. No, no. decimal oh, places wow. at all. Wow. Preview. A lot of targets. This comes in to number. a discussion we're going to have later about oh, a guy targets. who I have ranked number three. I was thinking Ooh. catches, not targets. Ooh. I still Oh, off, but, okay. Okay. Well, we're, let's skip over catches catch. then. Let's just go on to receiving yards. Okay. Whole number. 490. 501. I don't. I feel like I keep saying it first and I shouldn't be doing that. Poor strategy. 423. Jen is the winner again. It is 452 Ooh. receiving yards. And then now this one's a little tricky. The average number of receiving touchdowns. One dollar, Kent. Girly, girly knocks it up. Well, let's go. Let's go. Uh, one decimal place. Four point one. Three point eight. Oh, how we were close. Two point nine. Ooh, you guys, we're all over again. <laughs> oh gosh. It's uh, really? Yeah, it's two point two receiving touchdowns. Wow. There were three Dang. players that had zero receiving touchdowns. Can you name them quick? In the top 12? Oh. Yep. Gosh. Ingram? Yes. Ooh. Gore? No, Gore wasn't top 12. Uh, no. no not Did Zeke have Zeke. any last year? 
Yes, he did. I think yes. he did. Yeah. Yes. Uh, who else was in there? Kamara for sure did. McCaffrey probably was in there, and he obviously Freeman did. did Fournette, right? Freeman was. Nope, not Fournette. Ooh, good one. Oh. I'll give you a hint. McKinnon took his place. Carlos Hyde. Yes. Cook. And then the last one what? is a big, scary, fuzzy animal. Oh, McKinnon took his place. Got it. A big, a scary, big scary, fuzzy, fuzzy animal. animal. <laughs> his team he mascot is. is. Yeah. Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard. Yeah, he's a bear. Come on. Jeez. Uh, All right. Howard I didn't know Howard broke the top any. 10. Yeah, no receiving touchdowns for those three guys. So just something wow. interesting. Well, that's not Which surprising. Is super interesting. It's given not surprising. Carlos Hyde's increase yeah. in his Yeah, actually, that one, that one surprised me the most. But yeah. anyway, that was a fun little game I, I kind of surprised you guys <laughs> with. So uh, we actually ended with a tie. So again, I have no tiebreaker planned because I'm a terrible game show host. Um, but it was really fun anyway. So, uh, Okada, you got last. So cone of shame for you, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, without any further ado, let's go ahead and talk about our top 12 consensus ranked running backs for the 2018 season. Now these are the big hitters, ladies and gentlemen, and they seem to be going very early in drafts. I've seen as many as five, six, or even seven running backs off the board Mm -hmm. right away. It is, uh, you're looking to get the top one. I mean, you saw Gurley last year outscored every single player, even the quarterbacks, and you want to get someone to do that again. Will it happen? Maybe, maybe not. But we're going to roll through uh, and talk about these guys one at a time, starting with number one ranked in our consensus rankings, and that is Todd Gurley. I have him ranked number one. Okada has him ranked number one, and then Jen and Betts have him ranked number two. Now we also have the Fantasy Pros ECR has him ranked one, and then his ADP is the first running back off the board as well. Now, this there's not going to be a lot of variation here. I mean, it's pretty much one or two at this point. Uh, I don't think anyone's put him three from what I've seen. Um, but, yeah, you want that big season again. I think that's what everyone's hoping for. And, you know, does, does it happen? I don't know. But what, what are you guys feeling on Gurley? Do you think that he can get back to that level he was at last year? What, isn't there like a minimal chance that the person that scored and was the number one fantasy running back the year before, it's like minuscule just given historical data that they're going to do it again. So it's, for me, plus yeah, I'm a homer, plus Bell's awesome, Bell, number one. It's <laughs> not that likely. <laughs> it's not that likely. Um, I remember seeing some numbers on that. That I mean, and that's just the way that it is, that there's only one spot that can be number one. So if you were in it last year, there's at least, you know, four guys here that we think could be in it this year. It's not that likely that he's gonna actually going to hit number one. But the the reason that I have him ranked number one highest for me, and it's not really too close, honestly, is for me, he has the least question marks. I think there's no question marks about his offense like there are with Elliott and Johnson. And then Bell has you know, the training camp stuff and the, is he going to be a little injured, miss a couple games? Most likely Bell will be right there with Gurley through the entirety of the season that he plays. But if there's any issue for him getting off the ground, uh, that's kind of why I have Gurley ahead. But honestly, I don't think you can go wrong with either of them or really any of the four. So something about Gurley that, that I saw from last year was his receiving ability being one of the things that really made him break away from the pack so to speak he he had 788 receiving yards and he averaged 12.3 yards per reception which is 
insane for a running back. I mean, of those top 12 guys, I had the stats pulled up from earlier. Uh, only one was above 10, and that was Zeke. And then everyone else was below 10 yards per reception. And Gurley's up there at 12. And so, can he do that again? I would I would bet against it. I would smash the under that he does not have 12 yards per reception again. And he probably won't have six receiving touchdowns again like he did last year. Now, there's really not much of a difference between receiving touchdowns and rushing touchdowns. I mean, it's hard to predict the difference there. But, you know... I think it's reasonable to say that these numbers are going to regress back a little bit, especially because he had 19 total touchdowns, and that's you know just not likely to to be achieved again, especially with all the the weapons on this offense. I mean, they got Cooks, they have you know Cup entering his second year, and they have Woods, who's solid in his own right as well. They have a lot of guys there, so I don't I don't think he reaches where he was at. I think he like I agree with Okada. The least question marks. I think he's stable in a running back one role. And that's all it needs to be. It's funny because it's actually hard for me to project Gurley, maybe even harder than these other guys, because I look at last year and then I look at this year and I feel like the situations have gotten better for him. I feel like Goff is going to be a little bit better, which is going to make defenses, force defenses to be a little bit more honest. And I think their defense has gotten actually a lot better. And it was solid last year, but it is elite now, which typically is going to be good for a running back. They're going to be winning a lot. The Rams are. They're actually my pick to make the Super Bowl from the NFC. So I almost want to put those numbers up, but if Ken's shaking his head at me because he wants the Vikings. <laughs> yeah! But I don't know, man. The Rams are so good. They are good. They it's are good. It's going to be close. I, honestly, those are probably the, the NFC championship game teams, in my opinion. But in regards to Gurley, yeah, I almost want to put more numbers into, into my projections for him than he got last year, but I don't see that being realistic. So it's really hard for me to figure it out. But that's why he's won for me pretty easily. Yeah, and I mean, I'm going to keep it simple. I'm not really going to say much to add to this value, but Gurley won, Bell won. I mean, it doesn't matter. You're getting a stud. You're in a good position in the draft. You're going to succeed with that guy in your lineup. So it's a matter of um, decimal points for me in terms of projecting these guys out. So love him. Take him in the top five and run away with a, with a good opening of the season. So. Well, I tell you what, let's... Uh, on this note, let's move on to number two because I think it's going to strike up some conversation in, in comparison. Uh, we have Le'Veon Bell at consensus number two. We have Jen and Betts leading the way with having him at one overall. And then I and Okada have him at three. And now the ECR is at two and the ADP is also at two. So, Jen, let's let's kick it over to you. Why do you have Bell over Gurley? Let's put it that way. Uh... <laughs> He's, and don't say because you're a Steelers fan. I was waiting what? for you to say it if it's true, I guess. I, I mean, basically, though, I mean, I, I think I could say that about these top two, and that would be just as valid as anybody else's argument uh, between the two of them. I just think basically it could go either way with Bell. Either they could run him into the ground this year and use him up for all he's worth, and he stays healthy, and he monsters out and gets number one. Um, or he could get injured at some point, but that's the only way he's going to, I think, fall out of the top there is only injury. I don't, I'm not scared about him missing training camp and coming in and not hitting a groove. I'm not really worried about how their usage is going to be. And you could just look at it. Um, I think he's probably the most consistent out of the top that we're looking at up there. Zeke's missed games. David Johnson obviously has been out and Gurley's had this like, okay. And then way up. Uh, last year so for me bell's the consistency factor here and when i'm investing high 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 clearly the highest draft capital 
that's what I'm going for. I want somebody I'm not going to worry about. And that's Bell for me. And I think the consistency comes from the touches, which even last year, he when he scored quite a bit behind Gurley, he out-touched Gurley and he out-carried him and out-received him. So in both categories, he got more work than Gurley did. And I don't, I would not put it past him to do that again at all. I think he's likely to lead the league in touches, um, except for maybe number three for me, who's, I don't think number three for us. We'll find out in a second. Uh, but Gurley was ultra efficient last year. And Bell was very, very good. So it's just a question of, do you think Gurley is going to regress a little bit? And if he does, then maybe they end up right around equal. So like we've said, and like Jen has said, you can't go wrong with these two. Yeah, and I'll just jump in quick too. I mean, for me, I've been kind of vocal in saying this on the pod before. Um, We know that there's some dispute between the team and Bell about the contract situation. He's going to play under the franchise tag. And the team is going to absolutely ride him into the ground. And so if you're going to pick between Gurley and Bell, I think that's enough for me just to tip it over the edge to to Bell there for my number one. Um, when you look at what he did last year, he ran the ball 321 times in 15 games. He got targeted 107 times. I think those numbers are going to go up this year if it is his last season in Pittsburgh. So I'll take that massive workload um, and just kind of move that needle towards Bell in terms of Bell versus Gurley for me. You know, how he got that many touches and stayed reasonably healthy is beyond me. I mean, that's an absurd amount of times to touch a ball and get tackled by 300-pound dudes. So it's it's if they do it again, is he going to play 15 games? I don't know. I don't. I probably wouldn't bet that he would. Uh, and, you know, him sitting out week one, week two, I don't know. Maybe he will. He He's kind of a drama queen on Twitter sometimes, so if he really wants to send a message about this contract situation – he could not play. He knows that they need him more than he needs them because he could go anywhere else and get paychecks on paychecks. And so he's kind of waiting that out and seeing what the Steelers do. So I I don't know. I, I There's just question marks. It's it's nothing. When he's on the field, he's one of the most electric football players uh, in, in the last few decades. So there's obviously no concerns there. It's just there's a couple of things that make me hesitate. But... With that, let's move on to number three in our consensus rankings, Ezekiel Elliott. Now, we did talk he only played 10 games last year because of that suspension. Slated to play a whole 16 games. Let's hope that holds up. I have him at two. Jen has him at four. Betts has five. Okada has him at number two overall as well. ECR is three, and ADP is three also. So, Okada, tell me why you have uh, Zeke number two and why you have him over Bell. Yeah, this is the guy I was talking about, and I'm actually quite excited, Kent, to see you have him at two also. Uh, I think it's pretty rare to put Elliott over Bell. I think Gurley Bell are kind of the consensus two frontrunners for most of the industry. But here's the thing. I think Zeke leads the league in rush attempts and therefore in rushing yards. Um, this offense is going to more than revolve around him. It, he's going to be pretty much the entire offense. Um, he's been an absolute beast so far in his first couple seasons when he's playing. Obviously, he had a suspension. Um, and then, as far as the receiving game goes, I think this is why he typically ends up falling to third or fourth, because people say, well, he's not going to get the catches that Bell will get. And he's not. He's not going to get the catches that Bell will get, but no one's going to get the catches that Bell will get, except for maybe McCaffrey, um, maybe Kamara. But, having said that, 
I think that there's a very, very good chance his catches go way up this year. I believe he had 26 in 10 games last year. Um, and in this projecting out a full season, looking at the receiving core they have now, the loss of Witten, who would probably be considered the number one safety valve or check down option uh, for Dak Prescott. I think that that now is going to funnel towards Zeke. I would not be surprised if he's in the top two on that team in targets, maybe top three, um, and pulls out a reception total that surprises a lot of people, somewhere in the 50 to 60 range. So with that on top of what he's been putting out on the ground and the likely double-digit touchdowns I expect from him, he's number two for me. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I was just going to say, I, I know he's been working on his receiving ability, and it's already okay as is. And so I agree, he's the funnel. And you you take a funnel and you run with it when, when it shows up in these NFL teams. So uh, I don't see him being a huge concern. The offense is kind of sketchy, but, you know, most of it is going to be through him. So it's, that, it's kind of uh, hedged a little bit in that sense. But go ahead, Betts. Yeah, I'll, I'll just come jump in real quick because I'm the lowest on him. I have him at five, so again, I'm still I still love him. I still want him, um, but I am lowest, and the reason I'm the lowest is like you mentioned that offense uh, is questionable, and and we're not sure exactly how it's going to look without Des and Witten this year, and, and there's just a lot of question marks for me. Um, I'm low on the Cowboys as a team this year. I think they're going to struggle a lot, and and for that reason, I think I'm I'm a little lower on Zeke. Now again, I say lower, but I, I want him. He's my top five. So don't come at me and say that I'm not a fan. And I don't want him. I do. It's just that I have other guys and other situations that I think um, provide just a little bit more uh, value to me. I just realized who you put inside that that you know that group of four running backs that seem to be considered the top four. I realized you supplanted someone in there, and it's interesting. I did. We'll get to we that. We're talk about that. We will get to that. That is interesting. Uh, one last thing on Elliot. Um, I think it's pretty clear. I think uh, it would be the consensus for most of us and for the industry, and I know Pro Football Focus would see it this way, that Elliott has the best offensive line of this group and of any running back in the top 20. The only offensive line I think they have ranked better would be Ajayi's in Philadelphia, and we don't even know if he's the lead back, or if he is the lead back, we don't think he has anywhere near the uh, the dominant role like Elliott does, so... Zeke by far has the best line to run behind, in my opinion, so that helps him out too. How, how many receptions did you say you think he would have this year? Because I think I we're going to have to water bet on that. I mean, Ooh. he went to Ohio State. He never caught more than 26, 27 balls. I mean, this is kind of interesting. I mean, I think that's probably the hottest take you had about him was that he was going to go from his lane that he's been in and pretty consistently in that lane, and then he's going to jump at least 40 <laughs> Last year he paced yeah. just over 41 receptions because he played 10 games and had 26. So that's 40 will not be a, enough for him to beat Bell and Gurley. So it's going to have to be what he said, I, don't, I think. I think it's going to have to be 50 Yeah, plus. I said 50 to 60. I would take a bet at 45. I don't think I'd take a bet at 50. <laughs> uh, well, maybe you could convince me, but I would set it at 45. Would you take that? When the people you're saying he's going to beat out got 85 last year, mm, no. Oh no, I, I'm not saying yeah, necessarily yeah. it's going to it's going to put him above Bell reception wise, but I'm just saying I think he will hit that 50 to 60 mark. And if he hits the 60 mark, I think that is enough. I think I think Zeke has the best chance to have the most 
touchdowns for a running back this year. Honestly, I kind of I kind of feel that way. Yeah, same here. And and like I said, I see him having the most rush attempts. And behind that line, pro- probably one of the better yards per carry. So put that all together, and you have the highest rushing total as well. All right, well, let's throw a bow on him, and we'll move on to number four here. Now, this one, we kind of agree a little bit more here. This is David Johnson. Uh, Jen has him at three, and then everyone else on the show has him at four. ADP is at four as well, and then the ECR has him three. So, again, these top four, they're pretty consistently top four. Um so nothing really crazy here, but, you know, David Johnson, he's on an offense that has quite a bit of question marks, and that's why he's the last of this tier for me is because his offensive line is bad. He has a, a you know, an injury-riddled quarterback backed up by a rookie quarterback, and the receiving options are, well, Larry Fitzgerald is good but old, and then beyond that is a little bit sketchy. So it's it's – He'll be the funnel there too, except Zeke has the offensive line and probably a little bit better of a quarterback situation. So that's that's why I got yeah, and, yeah. And not only is the Cardinals O line not elite like Zeke's is, it's awful. It oh, is yeah. very, very bad. And they think they just lost their center, is that right? Mm-hmm. Their yeah. starting center. Thank you, Shipley, yep. Yeah, so uh I there's a decent chance, and it's too bad I didn't get there before this uh, pod. But there's a decent chance that one or two guys get ahead of DJ for me in my rankings. We'll talk about who those are in a bit, but I'm I am concerned about the lack of offense, and then unlike Zeke, the lack lack of O line. Yeah, I, I I do agree. I mean, the offense is going to be a question mark for sure. Um, it's it's an offense though that I think. When you look at the receiving totals, and this is half-point PPR after all, so he does provide that awesome floor. He legitimately is going to be the second option for sure in his offense behind Larry Fitzgerald. So I know you mentioned with uh, Zeke Okada that he could be the number two. The reason I have uh, DJ above Zeke is because of the fact that I know for sure he's the number two, and I know that the floor is going to be there. So uh, he set a goal. He's been vocal about it, that 1,000-1,000-yard season for rushing and receiving. I hope he gets it. That'd be amazing. Um, but I just think for that receiving, it's enough to put me over the edge uh, in terms of him and Zeke. All right. Well, let's let's move on to the next one on the list here. And now this is one is thanks to Mr. Matthew Betts over here. Melvin Gordon comes in at consensus number five. Betts had him ranked number three, and that I think is uh, something I have Ooh. not seen yet this year. So we'll we'll get his information. We'll get his opinion on that in a second. But. I'm at six, Gen five, Okada seven, and then ECR and ADP are both at seven. So you know what? Bets sell us. What do you got on Gordon? All right, here we go. This might be a little hot takey, but when you dig down to the numbers, I don't necessarily think it is. I love the Chargers this year. Their offense is going to be awesome. Uh, they've got a ton of weapons there. So you might say, okay, they've got a lot of mouths to feed. But when you look at the offense now without Hunter Henry, question marks at the wide receiver two position they're all going to be good they're just not going to be great and the fact that the offense is coming out and being vocal that they're going to get melvin gordon even more involved in the passing game than he was last year is enough for me to put him at number three i know that he's been super inefficient as an nfl runner so i'm not going to try to argue that at all i totally agree with that but when you look at fantasy it doesn't really matter if he's going to get enough workload to overcome that inefficiency it balances out and it's enough so when you look at what he's done in the last two seasons, RB7 and RB5, 
He's trending upwards, so if he improves by two two spots, he's going to be number three. Hashtag analysis. Uh, mm-hmm. And then when you look at his receptions over the past three seasons, 33, 41, 58. Uh, last year, he had 83 targets. And if they're going to get him more involved in the passing game, why can't he top 90 targets this season? Uh, it's only seven more. And just to, just to kind of throw this out there for you guys, I was really interested when I found this out, looking up the stats for players that had more than 90 targets in 2017. Uh, there was only four of them. Can you guys name who those four are? Kamara. Running backs. Yeah. Running backs. Running backs that had more than I'm sorry. Uh, 90 targets. Kamara Bell. Ooh. Kamara right. Bell, yep. Those Kamara are two. Kamara McCaffrey. McCaffrey's three, yep. Didn't Gurley? How many did Gurley have? Not Gurley. It's a, it's a bit of a tricky one. Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson, that's right. Mm. Um, so we know in fantasy that receiving options and receiving uh, possibilities are more uh, fruitful for producing fantasy points. So given the workload that's going to be there in a very high-scoring offense, I don't think it's crazy to think that Melvin Gordon can finish at number three. I love him this year. I'm trying to get him as many places as I can. Okay, so I do have one big question because I don't think I really disagree with too much of what you just said. I really like Gordon as well. I think what might matter most is what your opinion is on Austin Eckler. Yeah. I see him as a legitimate third down back option in in this offense. Do you disagree with that? And if not, or where do you kind of see him fitting in? Yeah, I mean, we saw some flashes here and there last year, but in the games where he flashed, it was mostly during times when Melvin Gordon was banged up uh, with some minor nicks and bruises as far as injuries concerned um so again my my big point with that is yeah if Eckler can be that on in those situations great but the team is going to ride Melvin Gordon and and I believe if I'm not mistaken he might be in his last year of his rookie deal um so if that's the case too they're going to again use him to his full capacity again the targets I'm going back to the targets 83 last year he's gonna get more he's gonna top 90 targets this year so I'm not super concerned about Eckler stealing any of that from him. Yeah, Eckler's good. He's just he'll he'll always be the backup. He could he could be like like uh, Danny Woodhead. He could be very similar to how Danny Woodhead a couple was a, a couple of years ago. So something to keep an eye on. But let's uh, let's push forward on to our next one here. Uh, at number six, we have the rookie himself, Saquon Barkley, and he is ranked five by me, seven Gen, seven bets, six Okada, and then. Six and five on ECR and ADP. So, yeah, I mean, a rookie ranked this high, it's got to be for good reason, right? I mean, I, I'm the highest. Definitely. On him, but I, go ahead. I can't remember. Do you guys remember where Elliot ranked in his uh, rookie season or where he was going ADP wise? I feel like it was a little behind this. Ooh. I feel like it was top 10. I remember yeah, it being but the not back quite here. End of the first, like early second, I think. I want to say off the top yeah. of my head. Yeah. So, I, I think. Barkley is probably the highest drafted fantasy running back prospect, and I probably since I've been playing fantasy, and I'm on board with it. I have him at six. I, I can't quite get him to Kent's five. He was at of another guy that we're going to. Sorry, talk I just about. got it. Zeke was eighth overall, so yeah, a little behind. Okay, yeah, right there. But yeah, I mean, we uh, everyone is talking about not overreacting to Barkley's first run, his literal one of one carries in the NFL that was absolutely monstrous. Listen, you can overreact to it a little bit because this is what this guy does. You're going to see a lot of this. It was not a fluky situation. He Barkley is going to be one of the most explosive backs in the NFL. He's going to get the receiving chops. 
uh, at, on the level of at least most of the guys we've talked about, if not all of them. Uh, and, and I'm not concerned at all about uh, his, his coming in as a rookie. Um, and even the O-line that people have talked about being concerned because it was awful last year, they've improved it quite a lot, so I'm not too concerned about that either. Yeah, some people overreacted to that on, on Twitter, saying the line didn't look that good. Well, they, you know, it's a little bit rebuilt, right, because they brought in Nate Solder on the left tackle, and then they have the new guard, Will Hernandez, who's, you know, kind of a big athletic dude, maybe a little raw, so it's going to take some time for them to get into form. So I'm not too worried about the offensive line. Yeah, and I'll just point out too, I mean, I've heard some people kind of argue the opposite of what they've seen on Saquon Barkley in that first carry and saying like, yeah, that was amazing. He ran for 39 yards on his first NFL carry. I know it was preseason, but uh, NFL carry. And then I think he had like four carries for a combined like four or five yards or something like that the rest of the time he was in. Um, And when you watch this guy's college tape, and I watched a ton of Penn State as a Penn State fan, this is what he does. And it's not going to matter in terms of the end uh, stat line and the end fantasy points because he provides so many big plays and so much explosiveness out of the backfield. So again, it's it's kind of the Melvin Gordon take where sometimes it's not the most efficient, but at the end of the day, I mean, how can you argue against against Saquon Barkley and what he can do on the field? So uh, just want to point that out there that sometimes it may not be the most consistent down after down after down, six yards or five yards or, or whatever it is. So just putting that out there. All right, well, we'll go on to number seven here on our list. That is my Minnesota Viking, Dalvin Cook, coming off the ACL tear last year, uh, back and looking good in preseason. and Actually, I'm sorry, not in preseason, in camp. I went to camp recently, and I actually watched him myself. So, anyway, uh, I have him ranked seven, Gen eight, bet six, Okada five. So, all kind of in the same range, but we are a little bit higher on him then the ECR and the ADP, which is both at 10. So, I don't know. Let's let's talk a little bit why we like him. Jen, do you have any thoughts on Dalvin Cook this year? Why you think he's, you know, top, top, well, you have him eight, so top eight running back? Sure. I mean, if you just look at who's going around him, I think it's hard when you're at the top 10 here. And I was just kind of thinking about Saquon and, and that sort of thing and, and thinking about why I had him a little bit lower. And I just think with all of these guys, you really sort of rank them based on how much volume they're going to get and what you've seen versus not seen. So with Dalvin Cook, for me, why he falls, you know, kind of at the back of the 10 is just because of last season. You know, we, we've seen a few of these where they start out um, and doing really, really well. And then we just, they get injured and then we have to sort of project sort of like the Deshaun Watson effect of how it would have been to see them full season. And so for me, what I saw, I love of Dalvin Cook. I think that's going to be a strong offense. I think similar things as we've said to the other ones of this is a strong offense. They're probably going to be up, meaning he's going to get carries to slow down the clock. Um, He's going to be heavily involved. He's their three down back. So for me, it's just opportunity volume and upside. The only thing that makes me have him a little bit lower maybe than the others is the fact that there's so many weapons there. He wasn't around for the full season last year for me to really see him. And so I just kind of, he has a little bit more questions than the the guys I ranked above him. But I think Dalvin could have the upside of a top five back. It's just how how are things going to go down with Minnesota? I love him this year. Can't wait to see a full season of him, hopefully. so. Oh, I agree. Oh, I agree there. Um, yeah, I mean, he runs a lot of routes. That's something I seem to notice when I was at the training camp just the other day. So he's definitely out there catching the ball, and that's something we knew that he had coming out of college was that pass-catching ability. So he's very dynamic. Uh, Latavius Murray looked you know, pretty good 
but he's Latavius Murray. He's not going to be any different. He's just kind of like a veteran presence back, and that's that's all he really is. Now, Rock Thomas, on the other hand, uh, at, we don't Uh-oh. we don't need to talk about him. He's not going to take Dalvin Cook's <laughs> job, so don't worry about that. It was a cool showing for him, the rookie, but. Um, Dalvin Cook's role is secure and they're, they're keeping him healthy and he's going to be the week one starter and he's going to get a full workload and there's no worries at all. So just yeah, don't case, freak I'm our sure listeners someone, out. Don't freak I, them I, out. I'm Can't, sure there's it's preseason out there. injuries are happening. You know what I mean? Well, <laughs> they're freaking I, out. I mean, hundred yard, um, outings are just not that typical in preseason. So someone is going to overreact to it. I'm sure. So don't worry about rock Thomas. He's a great kid, but he's not going to be starting at all this year. So. And I, I think Betts could probably give you a little bit of background on the ACL, and I think we may have even discussed it before, but it's just not a concern at all for me. And this is another one of the guys I have the least level of concerns with uh, in Dalvin Cook. He is fifth for me. I'm the high guy, and he is the guy that I'm really considering pushing up over DJ. I've talked about him a lot, so I won't go over it too much, but you know what? My bullet prediction was that he would be the number one, the number one running back overall. So I absolutely love him. Yeah, I'll keep it brief. I mean, we've we've definitely talked about it on the pod before because I know I've gotten all sorts of feelings and excited about it. I love Dalvin Cook. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not concerned about him from an, from a rehab perspective. I mean, sure, he's got an ACL tear and he's coming off of it, so of course his risk is higher than someone else who has not had a tear. Um, that's always the case, regardless of position or player. Um, but when you look at what a player does when they come back from an ACL injury. I've said it before and I'll say it again. He looks as good as I've seen in recent years from a player coming back from that injury. He's looking explosive. He's looking competent. He's cutting sharply off that leg. Um, And yeah, I mean, that's all I need to see. And I'm excited to see him get on the field probably for the team's uh, majority of the carries in the third preseason game or for the half there. So we can really see him with a a more of a workload um, to see truly how he looks. But as far as what I've seen before, uh, before that point, no concerns for me. Awesome. Yeah, so let's go on to number eight on our list. Alvin Kamara had an electric rookie season last year, had over 100 targets, tons of receptions and receiving yards, and I think that was his real uh, outstanding ability. He had huge breakaway plays, rushing as well, so just an electric rookie. I'm the lowest on him at 10, and you guys all have him right at 8. And we are below the ECR on this one, uh, which is five, and his ADP is at six. So, I, you know, I'll, I'll say it. I'll start because I'm low on him because I think he just had unsustainable numbers. Uh, he will have a couple of games with Mark uh, Ingram suspended where he will get, you know, quote-unquote a full workload. You know, what that means, I don't know, because they're still going to split that up between the other backs they have. I think they signed Terrence West there, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and... You know, they might use him for a couple games and then dump him when when Ingram comes back. And I, I see no reason why they don't go back to the same volume numbers in terms of rushing and receptions as they did last year. Uh, and, you know, Alvin Kamara averaged like six yards a carry rushing and, and huge receiving numbers as well. And I just don't think it's something that's going to happen all season. So people expect that to push him into top five if he has more work, but I don't I don't see it happening except for those games when Mark Ingram is gone. So that's why I'm low on him, I guess. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, 100% agree with everything you just said. That's why I have him at 8. And my ranking at 8 is actually kind of deceptive because I sort of base this off what I expect it to look like end of season as far as fantasy points. But when it comes down to it, 
I think he's going to score a lot more of those points on average in the first four weeks than he does over the rest of the season. And I kind of would rather have that production be at the end of the season when it's fantasy playoffs time uh, and it matters a little bit more. So if I'm when I'm drafting, I may even take him a little bit later than eight. I may rather have like a Fournette, uh, for example, who, we're ta- who we'll talk about in a second, who I believe is going to be the absolute bell cow throughout the entirety of the season. Um, and Kamara is, you know, he's going to put up a lot of points those first four weeks, I think, and then it will maybe come back down to earth a little bit, and that makes me a little nervous for the the rest of the season. Yeah, for sure, and and the Saints have been vocal about saying, like, listen, he's going to get more work than he did last year, but he's not going to be a 20-touch kind of guy or 20-carry type of guy for that offense. They've they've said it. They're going to try to limit him um, to a slight bump in his workload, but they're not going to let him have full reign of the backfield. So someone else is going to fill that Mark Ingram role. Um, maybe not with as much skill, obviously, but they're going to fill it with some workload there. So the people that are projecting him to come out and just own the backfield by himself during those first four weeks, I think personally is a bit foolish. So that's why I have him a little bit lower than these other top tier guys. I, th- I think if people are, are ranking him that high because of that, that that's abs- I completely agree with that, uh, that they expect him to come out and get 20-plus carries. I, that's never who he's going to be. I think most people I've seen that are ranking him that high are because of his ceiling, because they've seen what he can do. And I really think this year is kind of the benchmark. I think some of us are sort of tentatively waiting and kind of letting him float around our top 10 and, and sort of seeing what's going to happen this year. And other people are like, hey, I've seen what he can do. I see a ceiling. Mark Ingram's going to be gone for this many games. I'm going to project him as taking it and, and going with the ceiling of it. So I think that's kind of what people are trying to figure out where they lay is kind of am I going to hold back and sort of not risk it and see what he does his second year and then be all in? Or am I going to kind of shoot for the ceiling of what I've seen? And I think I'm somewhere in the middle there. Like I definitely toyed with moving him up and then moving him down. He's one of the ones in the top that I moved around probably the most. So it's a tough one. Also, also to, to kind of, um, sorry, Kent, you're interrupting of me. Maybe forget what I was going to say. Hold on. Uh, what were you saying, Jen? I can't just go ahead. If I remember it, I'll say it after you. <laughs> um, so the reason I can firmly put him in the top 10 in, you know, any kind of PPR format is because he's going to catch the ball a lot. He's basically a receiver out of the backfield. And so uh, I'm going to hand it over to Okada, who, who I think has something to go along with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the other thing for me is to get him based off his, his ADP, and you mentioned how it's higher than where we rank him, you basically have to take him right after those the t- those elite four and ahead of all the receivers. And even if, for me, you like him a little better than the other running backs that we've mentioned so far and will mention in a second, I do not even, I do not even get close to wanting him over AB uh, or even probably Hopkins or potentially Julio and OBJ, who are my top four receivers. So... To get him where he's going or to get him where he'll likely be available in your draft, you have to stretch above a lot of other guys I'd much rather have. All right. Well, let's let's go on to number nine, and then we're going to actually do ten and stop there. We're running short on time. So number nine, Leonard Fournette, and he is ranked nine <laughs> by everyone, every single person <laughs> and the ECR. Now, his ADP is eight, so that's kind of boring and lame. But whatever. We're all got him ranked nine. So we all agree. Congratulations, team. We got one right. No, I'm just kidding. We did but, it. Yeah. 
Uh, this is about where I think he belongs. He's safe, but not exciting. I mean, he'll have he'll have big weeks because he's you know the main uh, probably you know short line guy who's going to get a lot of touchdowns on a tef- on a team that's going to be uh, winning quite a few games. They have a good defense. Uh, they're going to be pounding the rock and slowing the clock. So yeah, it's he's safe, and I think that's why he belongs up here. Uh, he, he's just not crazy exciting. I don't think his ceiling is ginormous, so that's where I'm at Kent, on him. Kent, did you did you try that rhyme right there? Because that was awesome. Uh, that was on the fly. I'll have you know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I think the thing with Fournette that that kind of drops him down to where he is is he sort of does everything that a lot of the guys above him do, but just not quite as well. He's gonna he's gonna be a bell cow. He's gonna get a lot of work, but just not quite as much as Zeke or Gurley. He's going to get a few catches. He actually had a decent number of catches, a surprising number of catches if people were looking at his college numbers and projecting that forward, which I wasn't. But if you expected him to be low on that, he, he produced pretty well in the passing game, but he's not going to produce like a DJ or a Kamara. Um, he's going to get touchdowns, but I don't think he'll reach Zeke's touchdown level. I don't think he'll hit Gurley's. So he's very, very solid uh, all around. I don't think he's a guy who's going to bust on you, but he's just not quite enough uh, of an super elite in any of those categories to pass the guys above him. Yeah, and, and one reason that I've got him just a touch lower than some of these other options, I, I mean, he's a great player, and don't get me wrong, the workload is going to be there, but the injury concern is real. I have him projected to play 13 games this season, so um, if he's playing a few less games than everyone else, I mean, that has to drop him down a, a few spots uh, relative to the other players. So that's why I've got him at nine with those ankle concerns, which which I believe in and I think are real. Yep. Jen, any thoughts? I completely, they've met all my points. Um, <laughs> obviously, we're all nine and agree with the consensus for a reason. I agree with what's been said, so no need to hammer it. Yeah, there's not a lot of wide variety of opinion on him right now, it seems to be, so that makes sense. But last one for this show, we're on to Kareem Hunt. Now, uh, you guys have him outside of the top 10. I am the only one that has him at top 10, so I dragged him up into this show. I have him at 8, and you, uh, Jen 11, Betts 11, and Okada 13, with ECR at 8 and ADP at 9. So, you know, it, the question was, would would Andy Reid use Kareem Hunt correctly? And he did for chunks of the season, the beginning of the season and the end of the season, and the middle was like a wasteland when it came to trying to start Kareem Hunt and get anything productive, but last year he was number one in evaded tackles and yards created, I mean this dude is insanely talented, he did get the starting job due to an injury to Ware who is now coming back, and I understand that there's concerns there, but I think he proved that he's better than Spencer Ware ever was, I know I talked about previously that he has a chance to steal work from him, but I think that Kareem Hunt will be given enough of the the share in this backfield to maintain a, a running back one status. What do you guys think? I mean, I'm the lowest, so I guess I'll kind of couch why. One big reason is where. I am concerned about where getting actually a decent amount of work, um, being one of the better handcuffs, by the way, to look at in your drafts. Um, but he was expected to be the starter before he got injured last year. And yes, Kareem Hunt did come in and look so good as a starter with where injured that you probably can project him to keep that job, uh, the starter job, and hold it pretty well. But where has been very solid when he's been the starter in Andy Reid's offense. So I think he has a good chance to take some carries and some catches. Um, I think their defense is going to be very, very bad and a lot worse than it was last year as well. They've lost a number of pieces there. 
Um, and I think that's going to reflect poorly for Hunt. The passing weapons, I think, are some of the best on this list. Uh, or the receiving weapons, I guess I should say. And Mahomes, I actually really, really like. Largely because of how good his receiving weapons are. Um, between Hill, Watkins, Kelsey. Uh, those guys are going to dominate. Um, so And it, it, that could open you know, the field up for the rushing, the rushing game pretty well. But at the same time, it might mean that he gets less of the, the work that he got in the passing game last year. Plus, Alex Smith, as we know, is much more of a quote-unquote checkdown guy than Mahomes. we expect Mahomes to be. Um, so I think that I think there's a decent chance he regresses a lot. When it, when it really boils down to it, though, the main reason is I feel like he has the best chance, which sounds bad, to bust out of these guys, maybe out of the top 15 even. So if he does not bust, I think he's easily top eight, maybe even higher than that. Um, but I, I give him, in my mind, the best chance to bust, and that puts him down for me because I'm I'm concerned about putting a top uh, two-round pick into Kareem Hunt and him having my season tanked. Yeah, I'm with you there, Akata. I think if I'm going to pick one guy uh, that's going as a top 12 running back to bust, he's my guy. I found myself in mock drafts that I've done so far where he's on the board I'm leaning a wide receiver over him. I'm, I'm looking for reasons not to take him, and it is because, not that I don't like him as a player, which I do, uh, it is the Andy Reid effect that does concern me, and we've seen those weeks where it's just um, confusing why he doesn't use these running backs that he has, and it's not just Kareem Hunt. He's done it in previous years, too. Um, so that is a concern for me, and I think it's enough of a concern for me, uh, like I said, to take some wide receivers over him and, for me, take some other running backs over him, which... We don't have time to get to today, but we will uh, eventually for sure. All right. Well, let, let's let uh, let's just wrap up the top 10 here. And I will fill you in. We had two left in our running back one situation here. Was uh, 11 was Christian McCaffrey, and then 12 was Devonta Freeman. So if you're curious about that, and you can also find our rankings on thefantasyauthority.com and go look at those there. So that's it for today. We'll wrap up this conversation about running backs. Real quick, round the horn real quick, we're going to leave our Twitter handles for you. And, of course, the Red Shirts handle is at RedShirtsFFPod. I am at Kent Wyrock. Betts, go ahead. You guys can find me on Twitter at TheFantasyPT. Okada? Yeah, you can find me at FantasySensei. And, by the way, just a quick reminder to everyone, just because the listener league contest is over doesn't mean you have to stop leaving reviews and five-star ratings. So <laughs> if you're listening to this for the first time or you haven't done it yet, hop on iTunes and give us some love. That's true. Jen, hit him with the handle. Uh, you can find me at, at the only Jen Smith on Twitter because I'm the only Jen Smith that you need to know, right? There's a ton of us. True. Very true. <laughs> Absolutely. Jen, I, don't, right. I actually don't know any other Jen Smith, so that's perfect. Really, one literally just started working with me. There's another oh Jen God. Smith at my wow. office. Yeah, <laughs> right? It's like, geez. All right. Well, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. Also, you can find us on Twitter. We'll try to be really active during the season. So thank you for listening. These were our top 10 running backs. And once again, we are the Red Shirts. Y'all don't